Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show, a podcast devoted to helping you take your message, your business, and your life to the next level. This, my friends, is episode number 489, and I am your host, Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answer man. And in this week's episode, my friends, I am super delighted to welcome back my great friend, Mark Mason from Late Night Internet Marketing. Mark, how's it going, my bro- my friend? <laughs> it's going great. Uh, I'll be your brother friend. Is my brother friend. Yes, yeah. I, I was trying to say brother and friend at the same time. You could say brother from another mother. My brother from another mother. So, hey, I, I'm inviting you on. I love having you on just as a co-host. You know, I, I just sometimes just to have a conversation. And quite honestly, I'm looking for some content to to batch process. And I'm not typically the batch processing kind of guy. Yeah, I know. You're, we, we discussed the fact that you're actually ahead of me as far as show releases are concerned. So I feel like I need to up my game to catch up. <laughs> I don't know about that. But uh, yeah, I, I'm getting ready to go on a cruise. I'm going to be on a boat with some podcast friends. And super excited about that. Spending some time with Stephanie. I get to finally see the... Uh, Mayan ruins in Cozumel. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. But uh, it's it, here's the deal. This this really came up last moment. They they approached me at the very last moment and said, "Hey, we've got this opportunity. Uh, can you and Stephanie join us?" And it was what two weeks ago. I think it came up. Something and, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, I, I looked at the calendar. And I'm like, okay, my next session of podcasting A to Z literally starts the Monday after I get back after this cruise. And, and of course, I at the time, I was just wrapping up an A to Z session. I'm like, okay, I've got to get all my marketing. I've got to do content, batch processing. Oh, it's been crazy. So this week has been around the clock. Uh, working on uh, creating, scheduling and working out the details of what the content is this week. By the way, we're recording this on Wednesday, February 8th. Just to give people an idea, earlier today at 3.30 this afternoon, I recorded episode 488 with Sarah Stahl, which went out in last week's podcast episode. I did that this afternoon. It is now 10 o'clock in the evening Eastern time, and I'm on the phone with, uh, on Skype with Mark here recording this. So podcast episodes, not only do I have to batch process that because, but I've also made this commitment and I, of course, obviously it's a, it's a huge, uh, win for everybody, but it's, it's the weekly podcast development newsletter. And so that goes out every Friday. I have to batch process that. I recorded this Friday's uh, newsletter earlier this week. I still need to do uh, the 17th uh, newsletter. That has to be done tomorrow. And then I have had to come up with my email campaign. The cool thing is with ConvertKit, of course, you can schedule your broadcast messages. I had, I, I've had i completely uh, got my emails scheduled to market A to Z to my list. And not only that, but social media marketing. And Mark, I, I, I signed up for another account. Actually, I have always had the same account with Buffer, but I was not using the paid subscription anymore. But I went ahead and paid the full annual fee. I think of like $102 or something like that for a year for Buffer app. You ever use Buffer? Yeah, I use it every day. In fact, all my stuff, unless I'm doing something right at the moment, I Buffer and I have the $10 a month or whatever it is, $102 a year, and that allows you to buffer 200 total tweets or something like that. And I frequently 
uh, hit that limit. I have some uh, Zapier automation that does some stuff like when I post a when I uh, create a tweet for a blog post, it will take and post variations of that tweet now and into the future for evergreen content. So if I, I have a podcast episode that goes live tomorrow, six months from tomorrow, there'll be some related tweet that's a reminder and those are all automatically buffered in using uh, Zapier, which is a, a really cool integration with Buffer. That's awesome. Yeah, so I, I, I Buffer has been around for a very long time. For those that don't know, it's where you can schedule uh, your social media posts in advance. Uh, it's you know, it, it, some people don't like that. Some people do. I, I certainly needed. It, it was a requirement that I do it for social media while I'm gone because I'm not going to be tweeting from the boat or anything like that and doing things. So here's what I did. I, I went in and I well, first of all, I started this yesterday on February 7th. So from February 7th all the way through February 19th, which is the day before my set my course starts on LinkedIn. I have scheduled two social media posts per day, every day, uh, to promote and market my, uh, podcasting A to Z. On Twitter, I did three posts every day uh, during that period of time, and then on Facebook, I'm very, I, I am very cautious about what I put there, and it's a, it's very, it's the place where I intermo, interact with my community uh, the most. It's the where I get the greatest engagement. And I curate things there very carefully, very cautiously. And I only scheduled, I think, between now and February 19th, I scheduled probably about three automatic promotions for podcasting A to Z. And I intend to hopefully post something uh, trip-related in between those so that it still gets a little bit of the personal Cliff Ravenscraft in between all that sales promotion, especially after we talked about product launch fatigue. And the funny thing is, is I, I, I talk about product launch fatigue and I'm in the, I'm in the major throes of a, a significant product launch again for podcasting A to Z. Yeah, that that's okay though, because, um, you know, I think this, this is one of the things that you and I've talked about a little bit. A lot of it goes to intent. And I think you really intend to change about 20 people's lives every time you run podcasting A to Z. And so I think it's okay yeah. to tell people, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, if you had a cure for something, you'd evangelize that. You've got a cure for people who wish they had a successful podcast, but don't know how to get there. So that's great. Yep. In fact, uh, I, I'm so excited about it. I, I already know six of my students that are going to join me. And of course, I'm hoping for 14 more and judging based upon the things that I've seen happening, uh, I, I think we're going to hit it again. So it's awesome stuff. But hey, the main focus, we've, we've, I think we've teased this topic the, the last two, or the previous two times you and I got together on this podcast. We said we were going to get around to talking about Help Scout. Yeah. In fact, uh, I was starting to wonder if we were going to get to it and I almost submitted a help ticket to... <laughs> to podcast answer man <laughs> saying hey we need to cover this topic i thought maybe you know that would be kind of meta that would be very meta so first of all let, let's go ahead and talk about help scout i for those that don't know help scout is a support I, i'm gonna say an email support ticket system is that a, is that how you would define this yeah i i i don't know if about the email um i don't i don't know if i would put email in the in the headline, I'd say it's a support ticket system with 
um, you know, it, it, it's, it's email like, and it has an enormous amount of email integration, but it, it's, it's not email. It's, uh, you know, it, it's an engine that is built around an email like interface and has an enormous amount of email integration. Is what I would say. That's interesting that you would define it that way. I, Cause for me, I feel like it is, I, I literally feel based upon the view of what I've seen with the service that you and I are both using and all of the other services I looked into, I would say they are a super hyped up version of an email system that has been, basically it's a, it's an email inbox or it's where there's one email address or that actually splits that email into multiple emails uh, boxes uh, into a, a system. It, 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 it's basically like Gmail, but I give my, everybody else has a login and they have user IDs inside my, my help scout email system. I, I know it's not an email client. It, it is a support ticket system, but how else do you submit a ticket other than uh, sending an email? And when you're responding to a ticket, it's literally sending them an email from that system. So Right. So, so there are these beacon um, things, which are essentially fancy web forms that you can use. So you can do form integration. Yeah, that's true. Which, so, so you can get a ticket in that way. Um, and then, of course, there's the help um, section, you know, kind of the FAQ type engine, the support information engine that they have in there as well, yes. which is, which is there. So that's why I say it's, it's more of a support system than it is an email help desk thing. Yeah. But that's just describes part of it. I, I, I get that. And, and now that you remind me of the, of the form submission, but again, you know, if you have a contact page on your site, you have a form submission, what's, where, where does that typically go? Uh, if you don't have an, a support ticket system, typically that form is submitting an email on behalf of that web visitor to your email inbox. But yeah, and 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 the other thing, as I would say, is that the 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 document center or the the FAQ or the knowledge base, if you will, whatever you want to call that, that seem that seems to me like that is an added additional feature to the super jazzed up email email account that they give you to to manage all these inquiries, if you will. Sure. And, and I do like it because that those FAQs are integratable into the ticket system. So, you know, if you're responding to a ticket, you can point to those and there's some integration there. So, but I agree with you, the user experience that you have on the back end is a very email client like, and I really, really like that. And the, and the, and, go ahead. And the only reason I, stress my my view of seeing it as email isn't to argue against what you're saying but for me i i'm i i love email <laughs> i'm one of those really crazy silly people who who prefers email communication above any other form of communication and and so i'm when it comes to email it's just my brain is wired for email and i get email i get my gmail inbox which is a, i use a google apps I get my filters, I get my multiple different tags, I get my, you know, the the assigning things to certain, you know, categories or folder, I, I get all of that. And so I was a little bit nervous about jumping into a support ticket system and oh my gosh, am I going to be able to figure this thing out? 
And when I and and the only reason I say wanted to address the, and say this really for me, I actually do see it as a souped up email account uh, wh- where you can send all of your emails, your support information to, and and it's like an email account. It's it it's not a it's not too far away from what you might be used to doing in your Gmail account. Um, and the reason why I say that is because to me, that's an encouragement. That would be an encouragement to me if I didn't know anything about these support ticket systems, because, well, I jumped in here and it like took me no time at all to figure this stuff out. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, there's some other stuff that is in here that you and I don't use so much like reporting. Like if you were running a big help desk, you could see how busy people were and what their efficiencies are. There's some reporting engine stuff in there, but I think what you're talking about and what I, and I agree completely, there are sort of two kinds of ticket systems out there. One kind of ticket system feels like a forum and another kind of ticket system feels like an email system. And this one definitely feels like an email system, not a forum. That is so, I'm so glad you said that, Mark, because I, you're right. And I don't want to give anyone out there the impression that every support ticket system out there is like email. Because what you and I are using and, and a few that you and I looked into, we'll talk about, uh, are like email. But uh, you, I know you're no longer with Servant Hosting, but you were. And I, I have no doubt in my mind that while you were with Servant, you probably submitted a, a few support tickets with their online portal. Many. All right. So, and and again, I I wouldn't call that a forum, but but because because a forum, I think of you can see other people's you know uh, problems and issues they're, that they're reporting, and you see the responses that every because th- that that's a forum in my mind. But this is what they what they call it. At least with Servant, they call it their online portal, or and they actually call it their support ticket system. And so that's where you actually you can't just you cannot email a ticket directly into some of these services. You actually have to go to the website, sign in with your username and password and click a button that says submit a ticket and it gives you a form to fill out. And then, you know, of course, then on their end, probably it it is actually um, uh, email based. But typically the email that I get from, um, from servant hosting, when it's a support ticket, I think I probably could hit reply and it would actually get put into the system, but it seems to me my recollection is that I'm always strongly encouraged and I don't remember doing anything other than clicking a link that takes me right to that ticket in the web form and reading the the long, you know, sh- string of comments that we've had and posting my additional comments at the bottom. Yeah, and the reason that servant does that i can almost guarantee you is for security because you know their security for their customer portal is actually quite high it's a two-factor it requires a login a customer number and a password you know it's pseudo two-factor and they are often emailing server details and passwords and stuff and are, they're often responding with that information and they don't want that in email, which is re- relatively less secure. You're right. And in fact, now that now that you said that, it reminds me, there is no option for me to hit reply and have that added to the support ticket. Instead, it says, hey, you, there has been a response to your t- support ticket. Click here to see it. And yeah, it says, do not respond to this email in the ticket. Yeah, exactly. So 
Good stuff. So, so people know that there are different kind of support ticket systems in there. Now, I, I want. I was looking for a support ticket system, and the reason why it came up, just like so many other things that I've recently been doing, is it started when I started with New Kajabi. Uh, when I started with New Kajabi, they already had its had some templated emails that are system defaults. You can change them, of course. But what it would do is, it, if anybody purchased one of your products. Or if anybody set reset their password, you know all the different things that people could be doing inside of your new new Kajabi account. If they change anything, or purchase anything, or cancel anything, all of that stuff, they get a automated email response letting them know confirming that it's been done and by default you you know when you're setting things up it says what's your email address and what's your support email address and so these default emails say hey if you have any questions about your purchase or if you have any trouble logging in email support at podcastanswerman.com and i'm like well first at first it was you know my email address my personal email address that everything comes to it's like Wow, I, I didn't have that when I was using eJunkie. I didn't put in there, hey, you know, all of these things. I figured if people had questions, they would question. But I, I just thought, man, that's gonna that that could potentially have a lot of people ask me questions that may not had questions otherwise. If you know what I'm saying, sure. So I'm like, I this and this is the point where maybe I can get Andrea to help me out with my emails. But I don't. I'm not at that place where I'm willing or have any desire to have anyone else answer those emails that are directed specifically to me um, in my business and even certainly personally. So, but I, I, I did figure, hey, I can give Andrea, by the way, Andrea is my assistant. She's been my assistant since 2010. And Andrea, I could give her an, a, a access to my Kajabi. I could teach her how to reset passwords. I can re- teach her how to go in and check different things, all of that stuff. And if anybody has, if anybody clicks that link or hits, sends an email to su- the support at podcastanswerman.com, Andrea is going to be the one who will receive that. And she's, she's going to be the quote unquote first responder. Now, I could have done it to where support at podcastanswerman.com comes into my main email inbox, and I could set a filter that if somebody emails support at podcastanswerman.com that it gets forwarded on to Andrea and all that other stuff. I could do all that personally, but I, I finally decided, yeah, you know what? Let me look into the support ticket system. Why did you, yeah, de- why did you decide? Well, my reason is, you know, you're an inbox zero guy with... Um, an amazing amount of control over your email compared to me. So I'm an inbox 40 billion guy. And part of that's because of the nature of late night internet marketing. You know, it's really easy for me to get behind on this kind of business related emails because I'm at work all day long. So it, you know, they can pile up on me. And I had this problem with support tickets getting lost or, trying to assign them. I have a virtual assistant that works with me in the Philippines and I have a couple of people that do work for me um, here in the United States, trying to assign them to people by email, by forwarding, essentially, that wasn't working for me at all. It was just all getting lost. So I would have situations where people would send me a support ticket for, for whatever reason and maybe they wanted me to be on their podcast and it might take weeks for us to figure out a date that worked and all kinds of stuff like that. And those would get lost in my regular email. Now I could 
have been more rigorous and had a tagging system, for example, that helped me do all this. I could have created special shared inboxes in Gmail. And there's lots of, I think, ways that I could have worked around it. But the easiest thing to do was to employ a ticket system. So so years ago, I, I chose a free ticket system uh, that that is out there called OS Ticket, which is a good it's it's a good idea and for a free self-hosted ticket system it's pretty it's pretty good but it's dated and um it's not and, and I was looking for something new so when you started talking about um a new ticket system I figured I'd glom onto the conversation and and join you in the hunt yeah and 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 you did so when we were looking I I basically I shared what I had figured out at that point some folks were telling me about desk.com, uh, freshdesk.com. There was Groove HQ, Atlassian. Uh, gosh, I, what was the other? Zendesk. Yeah, sure. And and then, of course, you were telling me about Help Scout and all of these different things. And and the one I, I where it came down to, I was looking at, of course, I was looking at price, which really, I, I don't know why I'm all, all that concerned about price. If, if this thing really helps me, uh, it, it's going to pay for itself just by the benefits of, of, by the way, let me just say this, you know, going back to remember, bef- you know, prior to Kajabi, how, how, how wired together I had my own little system. Well, I had the same kind of crazy system for equipment sales. Now, here's the deal. I've, I've been selling podcast equipment on my website at podcastanswerman.com slash equipment. I've been selling equipment since 2008, sold over almost a million dollars now in equipment sales. And every single time somebody buys an equipment package prior to what we're talking about here, the support system, get this, the system was the email from eJunkie at the time would actually be sent to me in my email inbox and I would have a notification that says, hey, you have an equipment sale. And it was it was upon me to then go in and say, okay, I'm going to forward this email to Andrea with a note that says, Andrea, here's a new order that came in. Will you please process this for me? I'm not kidding. It wasn't even automated. It wasn't like a filter or anything. And so sometimes, you know, I'm I'm at a speaking engagement or something like that. I'm, I'm literally on my way to go get up on stage within the next 45 minutes and about you know, I, I, and instantly I get an email notification. It's like, oh, I see somebody's just ordering an equipment package. Well, I can't do that right now. Uh, but after my talk, I will send that off to Andrea. And and the thing is, is, you know, you really don't, in a digital product or some of these other inquiries, those things, yeah, it's okay if you wait a couple hours, right? But when it comes to an equipment order, if somebody orders something prior to 12 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern time, there's no reason that order can't ship out that day, you know, unless I'm getting ready to speak and and I it's already 45 minutes and then I'm speaking for 45 minutes and then I'm hanging out with a community of people afterwards. And the next thing you know, the fact that I had this quote unquote obstacle in the way without Andrea even knowing that there's an equipment sale there. Uh, next thing you know, now that person, they their their equipment is going to show up one day later, which is not a big deal. I tell people it takes three to five business days, and the reality is it usually only takes about two to three days. But I tell them three to five days. It's never been a problem. But the fact is, is that I want to get, the, I know I would want my equipment as quickly as possible. 
and I want to give my customers what I would want and more. And so this is a system, that's another reason why I wanted this system. And by the way, just real quickly, since having this system, now all of my equipment sales, every digital product sale, everything, all of that stuff goes to support at podcastanswerman.com. And again, Andrea, my assistant, is the first responder. She's notified of equipment sales before I am. Yeah, and you know, sometimes it does matter because you probably don't remember this, but I do. And I was just looking back in February of 2011 when I upgraded my podcasting gear. We didn't know each other really. And I talked to Jason Van Orden and asked him, you know, what should I do? And he said, call you. And so I called you. I, I didn't call you. I sent you an email. I said, hey, I want to buy this equipment package off your website. And I, I bought the standard Heil PR40, the, the, the PLT2 and the mixer and the whole thing, I think. And, um, and <laughs> the funny thing that happened was that you were walking out the door just like you are about to right now for a cruise. And we had the same conversation and you were like, well, you've got to hurry up and get the order in because if you order it, if you order it tomorrow, I'll be on a cruise ship and I won't be able to fill the order. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, so that was a, a kind of a thing. So, um, well, gosh, yeah, and that would have mattered to me a great deal at that time because I was hot to get that equipment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, the, and the cool thing is I, I just sent an email to Andrea uh, two days ago. I said, Andrea, oh, by the way, Andrea, I forgot to tell you, Stephanie and I are going on a cruise on Friday. We'll be gone for a week. Uh, so just so you know, if, if, if anything happens, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be ch- hopefully I'll be checking in with you. But if there's any kind of problem with connectivity or something like that. Just so you know, I might be off the grid for a while, but she she's my first responder and I love that. And and it's not dependent upon me seeing the email first in my inbox and then submitting that to her. Everything that goes to support at podcastanswerman.com technically is the responsibility of Andrea. And if Andrea feels like it's something that needs to that it's something that needs my attention. Uh, and, and there are some people that email support at podcastanswerman.com and it's and it's something that needs to be addressed by me. She then assigns it to me. And I love that. And then, of course, I love the, the system that we have, which we're using Help Scout. But anyway, the system that I have, I have the mobile app. And if she assigns something to me, I get a push notification on my mobile phone. And it says, hey, Andrea has assigned a support ticket to you. And I just click on the notification, it pulls it up, and I see exactly what's going there. I can even see the thread of conversation that Andrea's had back and forth with the person. It, I can add notes to her within in the thread. It's just incredible. I love it. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. And it's it's professional, right? And you know, when you're operating at the next level, as you would say, I think it's really important to be professional because that's part of the value that you bring to the table. Um, is is to have something that's polished and, and, and looks like you know what you're doing. And I think that makes a big difference. And that's another reason to use a, a help desk system is because it adds a, um, you, you know, a sense that you actually know what you're doing. Exactly. So we looked at several different systems when we were doing this. I, I, I mentioned a couple of those names. When it came down to it, it was a toss-up for me between helpscout.com and Groove HQ, I believe is what it was called. Uh, Groove HQ. And 
I th- I, I kind of remember liking the aesthetic feel of Groove a lot more, or a, a, a bit more than Help Scout. Uh, there there were some just really cool little you know aesthetic features and stuff like that, but they didn't have a mobile app, which was a major uh, problem for me personally. And 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 also, I, I later found out that well, first of all, that Mark preferred Help Scout over Groove, and also I found out that Andrea was she's not just my assistant; she's a virtual assistant, so she actually does work for other uh, small business owners like myself. And she's already using she was already using Help Scout with someone else, so it's something I wouldn't have to train her on at all. So yeah, yeah, and. You know, in my research, there are a lot of people that are using Help Scout that you don't even realize they're using it. So it, it's a it's a very well penetrated, very well established um, support system with a great revenue model, and it looks like they're here to stay. And that that weighed into my decision. But as you said, the mobile app really pushed it over for me too because i use that quite a bit i do i use it every day uh, and by the way just i we were talking about this thing it's called a beacon it, it it's something that i don't have installed on my website at this point in time but it is something you can install some 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 scripting or some code on your website and it will put a little a beacon a little uh, circle if you will a little chat bubble at the bottom right hand corner of your page i maybe you can actually even change where it is but if you click on it 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 gives hey what can i help you with and it and it gives you some maybe some questions that you can pre-populate and if if necessary it will drive you into if this doesn't help then submit a ticket and of course that's when it shows up into the sick ticket system but uh talking about people and, and coming full circle i if you go to buffer.com mark and you look at the bottom right hand corner i'm like 99 percent positive that's a help scout beacon yeah i'm pretty sure they're one of their customers um like i said it's it's very heavily penetrated the one of the things that you'll probably remember this when i mention it that we were looking at with groove that was interesting was that they have some they have more social media integration. Yes. So they had Twitter integration and for, uh, that looked really interesting. Um, now I think it might've been a distraction for me personally and not really necessary, but it looked really cool. I agree with you 100%. I remember that being an attraction for me. And now that I'm actually using help scout on a daily basis and 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 knowing that really for the most part this is more for Andrea than it is for me knowing that there's I, I don't need Andrea handling all my she's not my social media person I'm my social media person right so perhaps if I had a social media team or a or actually I could see myself at some point you know where where some or at least I know some businesses out there where they have an assistant that handles administrative tasks they might have even a sales department that handles equipment sales they may have an entire person devoted to nothing more than to supporting digital products and tutorials and and courses and then you may have a, a whole different person who is responsible for nothing more than social media engagement for that particular business. And the cool thing is, is you know, I, I could see where if I had all of that in place, 
then sure, having social media integration built into my support ticket system, so if somebody at replies me a question on Twitter, that it's actually seen no different than an email that comes into support at podcastanswerman.com, and it actually gets routed to the appropriate staff member inside the system, yeah, that would that would be really cool to have. Help Scout does not have that. Uh, Groove HQ seemed to have that, as well as Zendesk and some other services, but I agree with you. At this point, in, in being a solopreneur and not having a social media person, I, I agree it would have been a distraction and not necessarily a, a tool that would have been all that useful for me at this point. Yeah, and I was able to confirm Buffer is a Help Scout uh, customer as well as Basecamp. You've heard of those guys, I oh, think. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, Trello and Grubhub as well. So, uh, yeah, so that, that was part of... And and I think um, a lot, you know, Groove HQ has some some impressive an impressive customer list as well. I really thought it was a cool uh, product, and I will tell you that the other thing I was very impressed with is I had interacted some with Groove HQ's support, asking them some questions, and they had outstanding support for their product. I mean, they they were very friendly, and and they had just kind of a happy vibe going on there. So I was impressed with them. It was it was very close to a toss up. It was really for me. I think the mobile app that pushed me over. I I agree, and and I want to reiterate what you just said. That Groove, by the way, their support staff was phenomenal. I in the I actually was using Groove HQ for about ten days before I ultimately switched back over to Help Scout, and and I will tell you, I I had like tons of engagement with the support staff of Groove HQ. I I haven't needed any support uh, engagement with Help Scout because it's practically the same as what I had over there. And so, they, you know, unfortunately, Groove answered all my questions about the, the usability of, of these different services and how to set it up and everything. So I was good to go. The interesting thing, the one thing I remember when I first started looking at this is the idea of, you know, I, I like accounts where you sign up for a service and you play a, pay a flat monthly fee and boom, you're done. And I just remember in my mind, and this was just a mental thing, but I remember just kind of having a hard time getting over the idea of paying a, a specified amount per user. So it's not, it's not just, you know, $15 a month or $20 a month, some cases $40 or $50 a month per, it's not just that for me, it's that amount per user. So if it's $25 a month, it's $25 a month for me and it's $25 a month for Andrea. And if I wanted to add another person that, that does something else for me and I want them to have you know access to this, it would be additional fee for them per month. And so it's like, I know that the, these little tiny things, but they, they can add up real quick. So that was a, I know that was a, a pain point when researching this initially. Was that for you at all? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, I, I start having problems philosophically when my help desk software is going to cost more than my email autoresponder. So you know, <laughs> that you know, those things have different values to me in my business. And I don't think that the help desk software should, for my particular use case, it shouldn't be that expensive. And so, yeah, that was a, a consideration as well because, you know, I might want to give access to someone, uh, you know, to, to help scout for some sort of one-off particular kind of thing that was really low volume and to, 
to have that cost 15 or $30 a month for, for that small additional use didn't make a lot of sense to me. Yep. And so for, I, I know a ton of my friends were suggesting, Cliff, gosh, you got to try out Fresh Desk. And, uh, Fresh Desk. and I'm, I do know that Fresh Desk has an affiliate system. So, so here's my affiliate link came up quite a bit when I was actually researching this publicly and asking people for their advice. It's like, if you sign up, use my FreshBooks or FreshDesk uh, affiliate link. But I, I looked at FreshDesk. It did not appeal to me. So for me, it was really between GrooveHQ.com and this HelpScout.com. Now, I'm looking at Groove and their pricing. It was $15 per month per agent. And that is lower than Help Scout per per user. So Help Scout is their their cheapest plan. Well, the, okay, if you're not on the free plan, their cheapest plan is twenty dollars per month per user. So I ended up going with Help Scout, who didn't have the social media and maybe some of the other bells and whistles, and and in the I think a more impressive uh, UI, um, I, somewhat. And and yet I'm going. I went with a, a more expensive service. Now the interesting thing, and Mark, tell me if this is true for you. I've been using Help Scout for I don't know at least four months now. I think, and I haven't paid them a single penny. Yeah, same thing. I mean, I can't. I mean, I I would be willing to pay them some pennies, but I I can't. The, the features that they have in the free plan are more than I need as they are. And so it, I can't find a reason to, to justify paying them a penny. And, and, you know, in a way, I hope that maybe Help Scout will listen But at the to this. And by the way, I'm, I'm noticing now that it's helpscout.net, but maybe Help Scout, I think helpscout.com got me to helpscout.net. Anyway, maybe they'll listen. And, and I think they should be charging for what, the account that we in. I, I think we're getting value for it and it's worth paying for. And I think that the free plan should just be like $10 a month per user, you know, instead of free forever. I, I know that that sounds crazy for me to even suggest that, but I think they should be getting something for what I'm getting. But here, here's what I want to say to people. Check this out. So on their free, pan, free forever plan, here's what you get. Unlimited users. So I could add, I could have a staff of 50 people. Everybody has their own, you know, stuff going on inside of there, assigning 50 different agents inside of the support ticket unlimited users um here's the next thing unlimited message and storage no limits the only thing that's that uh, there is a limit to one mailbox now that means like it's support at podcastanswerman.com is the mailbox that that is the mailbox but inside of that you can get by with assigning different categories of things to different folders and and all kinds of stuff um, there is the, the actual free plan does include one of these knowledge bases that we were talking about. Uh, it actually gives you some reporting for seven days. It saves all the replies. It gives you this beacon that we've talked about it. You get the outstanding 24 six support. Uh, there's no help scout branding on the stuff that we're sending out to our clients and there's an iOS app. So it's like, Wow. So the if you go up to the paid plan, which by the way is $20 per month per user, the only additional thing you're getting is you can do five mailboxes, which I have no need for five mailboxes. 
And and by the way, here's the situation. I can set it up so that, of course, support at podcastanswerman.com is devoted fully to um, to Help Scout. However, I have, there's absolutely nothing that would keep me from taking, like, while I go on, I'm not going to do this, but while I'm on this cruise, I could go into Gmail and set up a forwarding address and forward every email that comes into my personal slash business email that's mine from Google Apps, and I could forward that all into the Help Scout ticket system and just actually forward it into the support at Podcast Answer Man. So I, I could even send all of my different email in inboxes into this one mailbox. But at least with the paid plan, you could have multiple mailboxes. So I could have cliff at podcastanswerman.com, feedback at podcastanswerman.com, social media at podcastanswerman.com, whatever, if you if you know what I'm saying. And then, um, th- then it gets into workflows. And by the way, workflows is really the only thing that I, I, I do miss not having being on the free plan. Yeah, I think that could be really useful for you, particularly on the equipment sales side. Yeah, so what that allows you to do is set up automation. So I'm I'm in Gmail, and I do have some things that are automated. It's like, hey, I, I, I for example, there are, okay, so uh, when somebody purchases something from, when somebody purchases something from Kajabi, it's either a one-off digital tutorial or it is a registration for podcasting A to Z. And right now, all of those are treated exactly the same. They go into the unassigned inbox of Help Scout. Now, the thing is, is if somebody registers for A to Z, I'm the first responder on that. However, Andrea actually gets that email first and then she assigns it to me. Now, if I actually paid $20 per month per user, I would have access to workflows which allows me to set up rules and filters. And I could automate it so that if if an email notification came from Zapier notifying me of a, a sale of a registration for podcasting A to Z, it would automatically assign it to me. Andrea would never have to touch it. Right, that makes total sense. Yep. And some additional features that you get for the paid account is office hours. That means nothing to me at all. At mentions allows you to at mention teammates, uh, which by the way is no different than sending a note back and forth to each other, whether you're at mentioning them or not. You can have it to where it's notifying them via email when you send them a note. So I don't need at mentions whatsoever. And then there is 40 plus integrations. So you can integrate some other things into a lot of other services. And I'm sure Zapier is one of them that gives you like tie-ins to the API, but I, while I could creatively come up with uses for that, I don't need it. The only thing that I'm not getting that I think I would like is workflows, that that rules and automation, I could benefit from that. But the question is, do I wanna pay $40 a month just for that functionality if that's the only thing I'm getting for 40 bucks a month more than what I get for free? Yeah, probably not. I mean, unless your equipment sales go supernova and you can't keep up with them anymore, which would would be a great reason to need to spend that money. Um, I think uh, with regard to mailboxes, though, just to clarify, I think the, the the mailboxes that they're talking about are the mailboxes inside of um, Help Scout. So if you, say, for example, had a tech support department and you wanted to have tickets that, that were in a separate mailbox inside of Help Scout 
or tech support versus sales, then you could have two mailboxes and, and, the, and the tickets would sort based on like a, a pick list that either based on the email address that you sent them to or a pick list that you set in, uh, in the form that you were using for the ticket. But they would show up on this left-hand side of the Help Scout navigation as two separate mailboxes. I think that's what that means. That is exactly it. And you, I think you explained that extremely well. And, and for me right now, I'm at a place still in my business 10 years into it that sales and support and tech and all of that stuff, it, it, it's all me and Andrea. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this is, but if you were, say, ConvertKit and you were using oh, yes. Help Scout, then, then that would be the perfect case. And you might have a third mailbox that was for feature requests, for example. Exactly. That absolutely hands down. So that's that's where we're at, and that's that's what we're using. And I'm. Is there anything else you think that maybe needs to be said about Help Scout or support ticket systems that we haven't covered already? No, I would just say that um, from a usability standpoint, uh, Help Scout is incredibly easy to use. And from a, a reliability standpoint, it has been absolutely rock solid. I haven't seen any outages or mail delivery problems or any kind of weirdness, no spam problems, nothing. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it is super solid. Yeah. And, and, and just from my perspective, I just got to tell you, there's, there's just something about the fact that if I want to, I literally can ignore my 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 personal slash when I say my personal it's my personal and business is all the same my email inbox you know cliff at ravenscraft.org and all the other email account email addresses that go into my one inbox if I want to I could literally choose to ignore my email all day long 5 days in a row and not worry at all about a single equipment sale going, getting overlooked, a digital product issue uh, being resolved, all of that stuff. I know that Help Scout is where all of that stuff is being filtered to and that Andrea, my wonderful assistant, is my first responder. She takes care of everything and I only need to worry about whether or not I get a little notification on my phone. And by the way, when I get that notification on my phone, it also sends an email. I've set it up to where it also sends an email into my personal email account so that you know I get it both ways just in case there's there's a dropped ball there but there's never been one so but yeah it, it's super cool I it's crazy but I equipment sales for the last four months is 100% hands-off I, I have absolutely zero to do with them Andrea handles 100% of that it will and in my uh, equipment supplier and you know she and she manages that relationship it is, dude, it's a dream come true. It, you talk about true passive income for me. That's what equipment sales are. It's amazing. Yeah, it's good stuff. And it, it delivers value because you know you've talked about this on the show before, but you talked about, you know, wrong cables. I mean, I have so many cables that were wrong or, you know, that I was thought I was going to use that I decided not to use. I mean, it's time, it's money. I mean, that your equipment sales deliver a lot of value and um, it's really cool that you're able to, to build all that once, draw all those diagrams once, put it all together once, and now it just sits there and helps people sort of automatically. Really neat. It, it's incredible. And the cool thing is is it, it, it generates thousands of dollars a month in, in profit. And it, wow, what a blessing. It's, it, we, are, we are living in blessed times, my friend. 
it is kind of amazing the way, you know, the internet, we have to give credit to Al Gore for inventing the internet. Um, it, it is kind of amazing how the internet enables all of these things, you know, the, the integration of all these things where you can bring together people from all across the world who have a very narrow, tiny common interest, like underwater basket weaving or podcasting or whatever it is and, and aggregate those people and get them, reach them in a way that you can help them. It's, it's really neat. It is. It's incredible. Well, hey, the next topic, I want to transition into the next topic that's in our, our title of the episode, and it is WordPress themes. Now, Mark, I, I'm for them. I recommend that you use a WordPress theme if you're using WordPress. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the crazy thing is, is I am still using Thesis version 1.86 on my website. Uh, wow. Yeah. Thesis 1.86. They they abandoned that baby years ago. And my website is not mobile friendly. It is not responsive. It is it is outdated to say the very least. But you know what? I still get tons of traffic to my website. Uh, it People are never complaining that they can't get the content. And, and it's still working. But yet, I do know that I am missing out. I, I do believe that my site is not getting as much traffic as it would if it was responsive slash mobile friendly. Uh, and by the way, explain, Mark, I'll let you explain what is responsive slash mobile friendly. Yeah. So back in the old days, uh, once upon a time when inter- dinosaurs roamed the earth and they had like early cell phones, people invented this idea of mobile websites. And so they would they detected that you were coming in from a very small screen, you would redirect to the mobile version of a site. And about five or seven years ago, the, the conversation changed and designers started doing something called responsive design, which essentially means that the, the WordPress or whatever your web server is running interrogates the device that that is asking for your web page and based on its configuration i.e the size of its screen however big its screen is it serves up a a design that's appropriate for the size of that screen so in that doesn't mean it just shrinks down the web page which is what happens right now if you load cliff's site on your browser it means that it changes the design the layout of the web page to present the same information in a way that's appropriate for the screen that you're using. So you'll get a little, you'll get a different design, whether you're on a a big screen, a medium screen, an iPad or an iPhone. And you can see this behavior if you're on a big screen and you take the one side of your web browser and you start shrinking it. It says, say you take the right hand side of your web browser and you grab the edge and you start shrinking the window from from right to left to make it smaller and smaller. On a responsive design, you'll see the buttons move around and the images move around and change sizes to fit the screen. That's responsive design. Exactly. And my website is not responsive design. And another thing is, is in, in the early days of responsive design, I did not like it at all. It, it's like, man, it, this is a little glitchy. It's got things cut off and stuff like that. But things have, boy, things have come a long way since those days. 
And my, my big thing is that, hey, I just want to make sure that if somebody's viewing my website on a desktop, I still want it to look and feel the way that my website looks and feels today. And what I mean by that is I want a header on the top. I want a navigation menu on the top with words that you can click, not a hamburger menu. I, I And I want uh, 70% content and I want 30% sidebar on the right-hand side. So that's what I, I want to make sure. And of course, that's very simple to do. And, if, and, and with most, most responsive designs, you can set it up. At like, for example, if you were looking, let's just say my website was, on, was responsive. If I had my iPad in portrait mode, um, you know, just holding it in my hands normally, what would happen would typically with a responsive design, my website would not have a sidebar. Instead, my sidebar would actually load at the bottom of my content. However, if I take my iPad while the web page is still loaded and just flip it to landscape because and then it's wider, then all of a sudden what would happen is my website using a responsive design would actually redesign it in such a way that I now actually see the sidebar on the right-hand side and my content is moved over to the left. So that's that's what responsive design will allow to happen. And there's a reason why today that you want this, not just for usability for the for the end user, because honestly, I personally, I still actually prefer non-responsive designs on my iPhone. And the reason why I have, I have an iPhone 6 Plus, it's a super giant screen. And I just, ever since the iPhone first came out with its mobile browser, uh, you just double tap and it takes you right into the, the, and it drills you right into the content area. And Mark, there are still some responsive signs that, designs out there that they just don't make their fonts big enough. And unfortunately, you can no longer pinch to zoom. <laughs> there, There is no pinch to zoom on a responsive design. And yeah, I, there's a lot of, and there's a lot of in general bad design out there. Yeah. So, but anyway, I and but there's another reason why I want this. All right, there's a reason why I want um, a a a responsive web design, and it's so that Google will treat me, you know, as as no longer treat me as the evil stepchild. What yeah. what what do I what do I mean by that? Yeah. So, Google has said in in no uncertain terms, and data supports that this is happening. That if your website is not mobile friendly, first of all, you get a warning now in in Search Console, Google, which used to be called Google Webmaster Tools, that says, "Hey, your website is not mobile friendly," and they they demote your website in the mobile search results. Now, I haven't checked this for Podcast Answer Man, but it should be true that while you're ranking number one for podcast equipment in uh, on um, uh, Google on the desktop, your ranking may be different and lower, and maybe much lower for equipment sales and other traffic inside uh, a mobile browser. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so when people are, when people are searching me on their desktop, I'm still doing really well. And as I always have been, but as people are using their mobile phones to do these searches on their Safari browser, or Chrome browser on their iOS or Android devices, um, I, I, I may not actually be up at the top of the ranks because my site is not mobile friendly. Now, it's not a particularly good example for you in for something like podcast equipment where your site is so authoritative because Google will make some exceptions. 
But I guarantee you in terms of long tail traffic, you'll find that your rankings are depressed or to flip that around, probably the week after you switch to a mobile, mobily responsive design and Google recrawls your site and realizes that everything is mobile friendly, you will start seeing that mobile traffic hit your website and you'll see a step function increase in in tra- traffic coming from Google. Well, within a couple months of them announcing that they were going to start uh, giving preferential treatment to mobile-friendly sites, I will tell you, I, I, I was looking at my Google Analytics and I saw, I, I ever since then, I've seen a significant drop in my web traffic. I still get a lot, but I saw a significant drop uh, not too long after they said that they were going to give preference to mobile friendly. And so I have... And you'll get it back by just switching. I mean, it's a pretty straightforward thing to do. And and so as people know, I've been making a lot of... I've been getting a lot of things off of my to-do list that have been on the to-do list for way too long. First, it was Kajabi with digital products, then putting it A to Z in there, setting up Stripe, um, support ticket system, convert kit, having my own podcast newsletter. Man, I'm doing a lot. Um, But now the next big thing on my list is to do something about my WordPress name. And and I'll tell you, I'm, I'm torn between... Three options, Mark. Uh, the, I'll just tell you the first option is to hire my friend Anthony Tran. Uh, do you know Anthony? Uh, I don't know Anthony. Okay. Well, I'm actually going to be cruising with him next week. But uh, Anthony, was a, he's an alumnus of, uh, he, he's, he's a graduate of podcasting A to Z. And he's a great friend of mine. He has been creating website designs for a lot of my other graduates of A to Z. And he, he just has an, a, a brilliant, brilliant um, team behind him creating beautiful web designs and, and Taylor making some great stuff for podcasters. And he, basically, he does everything off the Genesis framework. And not only does he do design at a reasonable price, but he also has, he, he's also willing to host my site and to take care of all the management of it for a reasonable price as well. And I, I know for a fact right now I'm paying 130 some dollars a month for servant hosting. And he's he said that I could I could do all the management of everything on your server that you have or I can move it over to mine. And 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 here's the thing. I trust Anthony. I know I know Anthony and it's somebody that I could trust. And right now I've been doing all of this on my own and I'm kind of thinking I'm kind of leading that there and and by the way and just full disclosure Anthony is also in he's one of the very few select people that is in my referral network the podcast answer man referral network so if somebody comes to me and says hey cliff i'm looking for a web designer to develop to to create a theme a des- to design a theme for me i send them to anthony tran and i actually earn a commission on that and so he is one of the very f- few people and so it, it, it would help affiliate sales if all of a sudden I had Anthony do this design for me because then everybody's like, Cliff, who did your design? Well, there's only one person I go to. But right now it's like, well, I, people say, who do you recommend? And I said, well, I, I, you could go to Anthony or you could try one of these other themes. 
it's completely up to you. Well, what are you using? <laughs> you don't want to use what I'm using. Uh, and now I'll be able to say, go listen to episode 489 and get to about 45 minutes into the episode and you'll understand why, why you don't want to do that. So one option that I'm leaning towards possibly is working with Anthony Tran and maybe just letting him take care of my website from this point forward. Um, that's one idea. I, I like that for the following reason. Um, I'm not a super huge fan anymore of custom designs, although as particular as you are about the way things look, I think that might be a really good option for you because it, it means that you won't have to make any compromises on design and you can get exactly what you want, which is great for you particularly. Um, but the other thing that I like about it with Anthony running your server is that's essentially going to be for you managed WordPress hosting. And what that means is Anthony's going to be running the right version of PHP with security patches applied and so on and so forth and worrying about all that kind of server side stuff where, you know, with Servant um, in the hosting that you have right now, they're not, they're applying critical patches most of the time, as far as I could tell. But as far as upgrading stuff to the latest version uh, of PHP or, you know, those kinds of things, the best version or the recommended version for WordPress and doing optimizations for WordPress, they're not doing that stuff. I mean, they have in the past when you ask specially for it, and, and that's changing, I think, at Servant, at least in my opinion, but... Um, that's not their business. Their business is not WordPress optimization. And if you deal with a guy who does this all the time, I think you're going to be a lot happier with the state of your server and the security of it. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. One of the things I noticed is that uh, about a couple months ago, my Google Analyticator plugin stopped working. And I think it's probably uh, because my PHP isn't up, uh, up to date. I, don't, I have no idea if that's what it is. But uh, I, I remember you complaining about out-of-date PHP right about the same time my Google, Google Analyticator plugin, uh, when I did an upgrade to a new version, um, it it stopped working. So I, Yeah, and, and just to be clear, it, I was complaining because of the situation, but it, Servant, that's not part of the service they're pro, they were providing on the package that I was on. They offer that kind of managed service, but it's very expensive for the kind of server that I was on and was cost prohibitive for me at the time. So, yeah. you know, they, they weren't not doing what they said they would do. I just wasn't paying for that level of service. Well, going with Anthony Tran for me makes sense for all of the reasons you just said. And on top of that, it, 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 it gives added weight to my referral saying, this is the guy I trust with my design and with the management of my site. I, I let him handle it all. That when I, if I if if it gets the podcast answer man stamp of approval with that weight behind it, that's just going to drive a lot more traffic to him, which is a win for him, and it drives more commission sales for me, which is a win for me. And I already told you, I trust Anthony. I I like him, and 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 he's done great work for other clients of mine and students of mine. And so I think it's a win for them as well. So much more than potentially just having somebody go out and buy a theme and, you know, and, and trying to do it on their own and, and other things. The, the only reason I would actually go with one of the other two options, by the way, the other two options would be the Genesis framework with one of their themes from Studio Press or the Divi theme, which you are very crazy about. Um, 
and doing it on my own, like I've always done. And the benefit, and by the way, the reason why I would consider that mark is because with either of those options, when I actually figure out how to use the Genesis framework and one of the themes and design it to make my website look the way that I've made it look, or if I did the Divi theme and figured out how to use that backend and make it look exactly the way my, then guess what I can do? I can create a digital tutorial that gives you step-by-step instructions on exactly how to use this theme to make a website look the way my website looks, which I I used to have the thesis theme tutorial. Yeah, and you know, one of the things about Divi, and there's one I'd add to this list. So um, I love the Genesis framework, it's fantastic. And anybody who's thinking about building a child theme, that's a that's a super awesome web framework to use to do that with. So I highly recommend that. Well, can, um, can say sorry. what you want to say, and I want to come back to child. I want to come back to framework and child theme. But finish what you were saying. Yeah. So the the you know you were talking about Divi. Um, another one that I would add to this list uh, for you to consider, or for people to consider, that is like Divi is Thrive. So the Thrive theme. Um, is something that's very popular, especially among marketers right now. It's got a lot of marketing hooks in it. And it's also, you know, very, um, it's friendly. It's opt-in friendly, I guess, is how you would describe it as well. It's it's uh, responsive and so forth. And I know Leslie, our friend Leslie, has been working with that a lot. And I hear a lot of good things about it. I've used it in the past. It's a very good theme as well. And so that would be another one that if people are wrestling with that, that would be the other framework that I'd consider. Awesome. So first of all, um, Genesis, well, let's start with Divi. Is Divi the name of the company where people would go to find more about Divi? Elegant Themes makes a bunch of themes, and one of the themes that they make is called Divi. Okay, so... And, and it, it is a framework that you can use, and there's you can, you can go there and read about it, but it, they have many themes... Divi is one of the themes that they offer. Okay, so you and I just pulled it up here. You can go to elegantthemes.com and search for Divi and you can learn more. All right. Now, Thrive, is that the name of the company there? Yeah, Thrive. If you, I don't remember the URL, but if you Google Thrive Themes, you'll find it. All right. And matter of fact, it's thrivethemes.com. I just pulled it up here. So thrivethemes.com. And, and you can learn more about what Mark's talking about there. There's video and, and some stuff there. So that, that's the other option. And then there's the Genesis framework is what we were talking about before. And I'm pretty sure that is studiopress.com. Yep. And yes, that is right. Studiopress.com. And, and there's the Genesis framework. And then there's a bunch of different themes that you can do. What, Mark, what is a framework and what's a child theme? And, and is that different than just having a theme? Yeah, so um, let's see how to describe this. The easiest way to think about this is the the Genesis framework is this uh, underlying engine, if you will, that uh, these themes are built on that you can um, you can use the stuff in the Genesis framework to build a theme. So it, if you go buy a theme from there, it will be based on the Genesis framework. And these things are abstracted in this way to allow for updates to the framework and updates to the theme separately. 
And, and, and if you have those two things, you can also have this idea of a child theme, which is a way to customize a, a theme that's based on the Genesis framework so that the code that you write or the code that um, your, your web developer friend, Mr. Tran, the code that he would write isn't impacted when you update the Genesis framework and any, any themes from any stuff that came from Genesis. When they release a new version or, you know, to fix security patches or bugs or whatever, your child theme would be sort of isolated from that so that you wouldn't lose all your edits. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense to me anyway. And, and, and I know that's probably for those that didn't understand that. I don't think that we're going to we're already like seven minutes over an hour here. So I don't want to go too much further into it. But there, there's a lot to think about when it comes to these things. It's not as complicated as what we're saying. The one thing I can tell you, I'm, I'm absolutely certain I've, I don't I've never heard of Thrive before tonight. However, I'm sure that if Mark says it's great, it, I, I can trust I trust Mark. Um, I do know that I've seen people who are using Divi, including Mark is using Divi. Um, and I know this to be true for them. And I know this to be true for StudioPress. If you buy one of these premium themes, you will get an amazing amount of support. You will have videos that will walk you through step by step that are created by the developers. There is a, there's with all, I know with Divi and with StudioPress, you're going to have a user-based forum where you'll get peer support from other people who are fanatical about this stuff and help each other. And the companies will provide their own support as well. That's why you're paying a quote unquote premium for a premium theme. Would you agree with that statement, Mark? I totally agree with that. And I tell you the, the reason that I would consider Divi or Thrive for you, and, and again, I haven't used Thrive as much, um, but let's talk about Divi for a second. One of the things that uh, Divi offers now with Divi version 3.0 is one of the things that you've been raving about with new Kajabi, which is this visual page builder stuff. So you know, you can drag and drop elements onto the, onto the screen and in minutes build any kind of web page that you, you can possibly imagine with, you know, parallax effects and all of this kind of fancy, you know, call it web 3.0 kind of design that you've been seeing lately all over the internet. That's in Divi and it's absolutely stunningly beautiful and it is stupid simple to do. I mean, anybody without any code can do these kinds of effects, countdown timers and, and you know, moving bar graphs and, and call to action buttons and embedded videos and, and, and pictures with parallax where the picture moves at a different rate than the rate you're scrolling at. And all of these things yeah, are by possible. The, by the way, I just, just want to say, drag and drop. I just want to say, Anybody who has a parallaxing thing where your your background and your image scroll at, at, at a different rate, I, I know that that is the, the trend right now and it's like super the cool thing. to. I despise your website if you have that. I hate it. I, I will leave your page as soon as I see it. It just, it, it almost makes me nauseated to look at it. <laughs> okay. 
there's that just saying but but i like all the other stuff i love the page builder i love the idea of being able to pull all these different um segments in and and drag and drop a, you know the stuff i've been using like you said i've been using the the page builder inside of of new kajabi the only problem is is that new kajabi is on store.podcastanswerman.com and if I build any kind of authority there or anything like that for any of the contents I'm creating on these landing pages and sales pages, that that's not get it's not benefiting from the authority that I've built for ten years at podcastanswerman.com. That's exactly right. That that's one problem. You know, I personally think that Cliff Ravenscraft should stay completely in control of Cliff Ravenscraft's web pages whenever possible. That's something that I preach. So if it's possible for you, Kajabi's totally reputable, but I mean, I get that mark. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I I get that. But here's what I will tell you. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like, you know, do I trust somebody else with all of this other stuff or do I not trust them with this, all this other stuff? And, and I'm at a place right now where I feel so confident with new Kajabi. I feel more confident with with trusting new Kajabi to keep my website up and running, security patched, no problems whatsoever. That 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 I feel more secure with my content always being online than I do my own website that I'm managing, that I'm responsible for making <laughs> sure the PHP is there. I'm making sure that you know I'm responsible for making sure my plugins are up to date. Um, I'm responsible for all this other stuff. I'm and and you know there's no malware or anything like that. I feel that all of my content on Kajabi is safer there than on my own WordPress website. And yeah, then, and, and in this particular case, you are so invested in Kajabi, these extra few web pages are the the least bit of your problem. That, and, I, and here's the deal. Let, let's, the worst case scenario, Podcast Answer Man goes offline. You know, my, my WordPress website for Podcast Answer Man, to, trust me, that would be... <laughs> I, I wouldn't like it to happen, right? Worst case scenario, it goes down. Guess what? It's still not a problem whatsoever if I'm in the middle of a podcasting A to Z. If my site was down for, th- if podcastanswerman.com was completely offline for three days, it, str- three days straight in the middle of a session of podcasting A to Z would not be a problem. If it was, if it happened while I, if podcastanswerman.com went completely down while I was on a cruise, no big deal. You know why? Because my sales page for podcasting a to z.com, it is on new Kajabi. And that's, see, those, that kind of thing, I'm, I'm actually happy. I, I trust those guys, you know, and, the, and I had somebody out there on Twitter just today, like, I can't believe you would ever recommend Kajabi. Did you see their prices? That is absolutely, nobody should ever have to pay. It's like, listen, I love that they charge a premium for what they offer, what they offer for what they do. I'm, I am a, I am a paid client and I love it. And the fact that they have clients that pay premiums, they have clients that are making enough money to actually afford the higher packages, I am thrilled because the more money they're generating, the more profitable, the the more support and everything else they put into this, that that just gives me more confidence that this is this is a company that's gonna be here for the long haul. Yeah, and I, I'm not I wasn't implying that that there's any real risk there. Yeah. I, I it's a more of a philosophical thing that no, yeah. that 
it doesn't apply very well in your particular case. I, I yeah, and I get that. And the, the thing is, is like I said though, is is I, I right now I feel even though I, I I like servant and I feel like I'm pretty secure. I, I two factor authentication. You can't even get into my WordPress admin without a, a Google Authenticator code. So um, I update my well. Okay, here's Mark. I have a weekly reminder. And actually, no, yeah, actually, it's a weekly reminder every single week on my calendar. Go in and check all WordPress installs for updates to WordPress and plugin updates and theme updates. Here's the thing, Mark, I have seven or eight or nine of these WordPress installs and I get the reminder every week. Do I update it every week? No, I sometimes no, put it of course off. Not. Sometimes yeah. I put it off two or three months. I'm telling you, my content is more secure and safe on Kajabi than it is on my own site. Yeah, there's no no question, and, and this is kind of the point I was making with with your your developer and giving him control of this stuff is, you know, that's something you could take off your plate. You could delete that weekly reminder. Yep, yep. Well, my friend, gosh, we covered a lot, and I appreciate you spending this time hanging out with me, Mark. It's always a ton of fun. And uh, I, I I wanted to update folks what I'm working on. And it's, and it's always fun to have a conversation rather than me just going on and on. I think you bring out a lot of extra uh, content into the conversation that wouldn't have made it in otherwise. So thank you for your time, my friend. I am always available to you, sir. And I hope you have a fantastic cruise. I'm a Cozumel guy. I've been there many, many times. And uh, back in the days when I was scuba diving a lot, I used to love to dive there. There's a there's a really cool place uh, out south of the island called Punta Sur, which stands for South Point, where you can dive a, a dive called Devil's Throat, where you go down at 80 feet and you go down in this cavern. And then you go down a, you dive, where well, you're in the cavern at 80 feet, you dive down inside this vertical tunnel to 120 feet. And when you pop out of the, of the end of this tunnel at 120 feet, the water's 3,000 feet deep, and there are these giant stalagmite-type structures coming up from the seafloor all the way up almost to the surface. It's truly spectacular. So if you if you get a chance to do any scuba diving while you're there, I definitely recommend that. But Cozumel's really a, a great place. You can swim with dolphins there. It's a lot of fun. So I hope you have a great trip. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Do you want to hang out while I close out the show, or you want me to close out the sh- hang up with you and close out the show afterwards? I'm with you. Let's go. All right. Do so, it. so real quickly here, folks, you, we've been having this conversation. We're recording this on Wednesday, February 8th. But actually, by the time you're hearing this, it's it, it, at least it was released on February 17th. That means I'm already back from my cruise. I had a wonderful time, by the way, Mark. Thanks for all your recommendations. Uh, but anyway, I am back from my cruise. And I just got to let you know, there is still time if you're listening to this before February 20th. My next session of podcasting A to Z starts on Monday. That's right, Monday, it's your opportunity to have me as your personal coach walking you through every single step in the process of successfully launching your podcast. Maybe you already have a podcast. It's an opportunity for you to have me as your personal coach. Do you wanna ask me any question based upon any experience that I've had over the past 10 years of building this online business around my podcast? Well, I'm available to you for that as well. Podcasting A to Z is me as your personal coach answering every question you submit 
for four weeks. Me personally, not a member of my team, not my assistant. No, it's me, Cliff Ravenscraft, answering every question you have. So if you're interested in working with me, whether you're launching a podcast or you just want to ask me some advice and have access to me as your coach for four weeks, podcastingatoz.com is where you go. And uh, with that, my friends, oh, and by the way, and I, go, guys, go check out latenightim.com and also subscribe to Mark Mason's Late Night Internet Marketing Podcast. And until next time, my friends, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Podcast. Add some man.